0: This is the Foot in the Box podcast for the week of Monday, August 15th. To episode 63 of the A Foot in the Box podcast. My name is Peter Elliott. And I'm Paul. Uh, this is the A Foot in the Box podcast that we are twin brothers that live in Champaign, Illinois. Uh, Paul, how's it going? It is going all right. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, how many hours do you think we've podcasted for? Ever? Yes, now that this is our 63rd episode. Um, I say each recording takes what? Hour and a half? I just mean official time on the internet. I'll say... So not, not the recording time. I'll say 400 hours. Of recorded time? <laughs> Sorry, my math is a bit off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have 63 episodes. How many hours do you think each episode averages? Uh, average is roughly an hour, so 63 would there be... There you go. I can oh my guess. my goodness for some reason i took six times 90 oh i was doing minutes sorry wow all that will definitely say in the podcast i was asking this week so that i could count for next week um <laughs> that was that was something else okay uh thanks to nelly for our intro song uh the nelly fun fact this week is that i heard hot in here on the radio this week. What station? I think the normal, today's hits station. Uh, Paul, guess the year and the month that that song came out. You've already shown how great of a guesser you are. 400 hours. It came out in 2004. 2002. What month do you think Hot in Here came out? July. April. Hmm. I think it's kind of an odd month. It's a summer song. Yeah, St. Louis is pretty warm in April, though. Okay, uh, so kicking off the podcast this week. Let's preview this week's podcast. It's a good one. Uh, we've got our normal banter at the beginning. Paul failed us and did not watch baseball on TV. We'll get to that Next week. week. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Uh, out of the box this week, we don't have any articles to cover. Instead, doing something a little unique uh, because Arod and Itro had monumental past weeks. Mm-hmm. Historic last week's with Ichiro getting 3,000 hits and A-Rod retiring. Uh, each of us has five things we should remember about each of those players. Paul's got Ichiro, and I have Rodriguez. Uh, after that, have TWTW and sounds of the game, and then uh, we actually have an interview this week with Nick Stellini, who uh, is a Yankees fan and covers the Yankees uh, for Baseball Prospectus and SB Nation. Uh, Talk to him about A-Rod and his legacy with the Yankees. So uh, stick around for that, and then we'll finish with bottom of the ninth. First up, though, uh, Paul, do you have any banter? Uh, Yeah, I have some banter-worthy topics. Uh, First, I wanted to talk about Tim Tebow. Of course. Uh, As most of you know that are listening, um, came out earlier this week, I think Wednesday. Sounds right. Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, that he was going to give baseball a try. Um, I had not seen anything. Apparently he had a uh, workout with the Dodgers preseason, but that hadn't been widely reported. And I didn't even know he was, um, you know, considering a, a baseball tryout, but he's going to have a, uh, a tryout for anyone who wants to come watch. When uh, is that tryout? Uh, I think it's in coming up in like the next couple weeks. I don't think a specific date had been set yet. But um, I'm going to take a, a fairly unconventional hot take on this. I guess a hot take. The fact that it's unconventional makes it a hot take. But I think the reaction has been pretty unfair. So he was a he was an all state player in high school, batted like 500. So he was a good player. hasn't played for 10 years. So that's a, a big deal. But if he wants to give baseball a try, like who who are we to say like he can't? I feel like most of the reaction has sort of been like, "Oh, the arrogance of Tebow to give baseball a shot after being gone for a decade." Once, well, like, I mean, he'll try out, and if teams think he can play, they'll sign him, and if not, they won't. Like, I don't. But he has no chance. Right, but like the tryout will determine that. Like, if he want, if he wanted to give baseball a shot, how else would you suggest he go about? I mean, I, my personal feelings weren't. Ups, like upset that he was arrogant enough to want to play. That's fine that he wants to play. I love the story because it was so much fun uh, to read about and to and to think about myself. Uh, I just think he has zero chance to make the majors. Yeah, no, I, mean, I to I, not I... play a sport for ten years and he wasn't even drafted out of high school. So I, I mean, I didn't know his high school numbers were that good, but uh, I mean, like Johnny Manziel was drafted right. as a joke, but. If he was good at all at baseball, he would get drafted. Yeah. I mean, Gary Sheffield is the only person that was giving him a legitimate chance. Uh, Chad Muller as well. Is he a... Former Major League player. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I, I... Sorry, I don't... You have grounded people like uh, Jason Stark, just you know, writing articles that just, Bell, you have zero chance to make the Major Leagues. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I love that it's a story. I think it's awesome. Uh, my hot take was just you've got no chance, man. Like, what are you doing? Wasting your life. Um, and I, it's hard for me to not think it's part of it as a publicity stunt. Maybe. Um, I, it, like he hasn't come out and said anything yet. So I guess it's hard for me to uh, yeah, fault him. That's true. Um, I'm sure he, lots of people wanted to interview him, but yeah, perhaps And Stark, in that article you mentioned, he did say that he couldn't find one big, big executive who like wouldn't send a representative from their team to attend. If I was a scout, I would love to cover that. Yeah. If it was open to the public and within a few hours of champagne, I would definitely go. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting. I, d- I wonder what like a good comp would be in terms of like physique. and I don't even know what position. Is she an outfielder? Yeah. Left-hand hitter. I mean, he just has to look like a beast at the plate. Yeah. Uh, Gary Sheffield says he's got good bat speed. Hmm. Speaking of comebacks our Matt Bush weekly updates. Uh, he gave up two runs against the Rockies on Thursday. He's only pitching, uh, like a couple times a week for about the last month and a half. Maybe they're just trying to use him less. Uh, his ERA through 40 innings this year is 2.97. Pretty solid. FYI. After last week saying the Marlins, uh, didn't have a good chance to make the playoffs cause they don't have a history of finishing. Well, they've, uh, tank this week gene carlos stanton got hurt on saturday last play of the game against the white Sox, uh they've lost three in a row did they win today
1: they won today yeah
0: darn uh so the marlins are fading uh but the rockies are also fading so i can't brag yeah. about it too much that second uh wildcard spot is like really up in the air uh in fact other than the cubs and the nationals i don't think any team in the national league is playing well don't sleep on the phillies I'm always a fan of looking at the wild-card standings and looking at teams that are on the fringe because mm-hmm. they represent such a cool story if they were to come back and make the playoffs. So they were just six games back when I was preparing Sunday morning, and they're up 7-4 to four against the Rockies now. So Phillies are awful. Should, yeah. be, should be much worse than their record, but um, I'll be rooting for them. I got fairly depressed last night after the White Sox won their second straight game against the Marlins. And I thought, man, maybe they have an outside shot at that second wild card. And then I looked, and they they were seven out, and the, the Phillies are six out in the National League. Mm-hmm. So the White Sox are farther away than the Phillies. Um, Pete, can you guess in the last month or over the last month the two worst OPSs in baseball? Uh, both right fielders and both in the Nash. I mean, and both in the National. League. What's the minimum amount of at bats? Uh it's a good question. I don't think I put a minimum. I would I will tell I, you I have no idea. Uh Jason Hayward and okay. Bryce Harper. Wow. Which is surprising. Harper is his OPS is four sixty eight. Um and then Hayward is the fourth worst in all of baseball this year. Um, which I didn't realize it it was that bad. But pretty fascinating. Like I was thinking in any other sport, Hayward was the highest priced free agent from last offseason. And Harper probably will be uh, next year. And like in basketball or football, if you were to sign. 2018. Right, sorry. If you were to sign, like, you know, LeBron is now the highest paid player. And you would never go a month with him being like the worst player Mm -hmm. in the NBA according to field goal percentage or something like that. Yeah, Hayward's lucky that he plays baseball and plays for a really good team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, defensively, he still provides a value. Like being the worst hitter, one of the worst hitters in baseball, but. Playing right field like he does, he's still a positive uh, player for your team. Yeah, and his on-base percentage, I think, is still above league average. Right around league average. But his slugging is the thing that kills him. Yeah, he grounds out out to second base in the pitcher a ton. (laughs) One last thing I had uh, from current baseball. uh, Mookie Betts uh, on Sunday had four hits, three homers, and eight RBIs against the Diamondbacks in that game is that Granky pitch for the Diamondbacks and just lasted one and two-thirds innings, ten hits, nine earned runs. Uh, pretty awesome stat lines in opposite directions for Granky and Moogie Betts. Yeah, uh, Granky had kind of rebounded after a rough start, right? Yeah, the ERA is like mid-fours. Yeah, certainly not how the Diamondbacks envisioned this year going. Would you rather have the Cubs or the Red Sox position players for the next five years? Hmm. I will go Cubs. I guess I just, I know the Cubs position players more, so maybe that's why I'm more confident in them. Do so the, the Red Sox have a really good catcher coming too, right? I'm not sure. I know they have Betts, Bogarts, Jackie Bradley Jr., uh, that new outfielder, Ben and Yeah. Uh, and then they have the top prospect in baseball, in uh, that guy from Cuba. Yeah, it's probably close. I guess on paper, the Red Sox are deeper. More athletic, less power. Hmm. That's uh. That's all I had. Okay. Uh, Prince Fielder retired. Yeah. Uh, his Pain- press conference, which we tweeted at, was really yeah, painful really sad to watch. Um, didn't want to retire. He's only thirty-two. Neck injuries have cost him to just not be able to play anymore. And uh, crazy coincidence that him and his dad, Cecil, ended their careers with the same amount of home runs: three hundred and yeah. nineteen. Nuts. That's crazy. And. Last thing I had on a positive note, did you see Simple Plan's latest song debuted on MLB Central? I did not, no. So I, thought I we, didn't know Simple Plan was still pumping out music. Well, I thought I'd play the clip for us. So uh, here is Simple Plan's newest song.
2: Welcome back to MLB Central. Simple Plan performing one of their latest hits off their new album. Enjoy. I'm reading through the Sunday paper And it's all bad news It's all bad news I'm looking for a smile on the streets But it's just no you. Just no use Sing with me now I jump into my car, turn the key But it just won't start No, it just won't start And oh. I got a text from my ex It's official, she just broke my heart Circling around, but I won't let this life drag me down. So I'll be singing, I'll be singing, I'll be singing, I'll be singing, I'll be singing.
0: Paul, do you think that's the worst song of all time? Mm. Yeah, you know I'm not much of a, a music guy, but yeah, certainly uh, a unique sound. They've gone in a completely different direction than where they started. They're still singing about terrible life circumstances, though. With a much more positive outlook, though. Yep. I wonder what like uh, demographic that was like trying to reach. Not sure. Because uh, we'd be the type of people that would have listened to them growing up. I'm not sure who I feel worse for to stoop as low as I did Simple Plan to premiere a song on a MLB Network morning show or the <laughs> MLB Network morning show for taking on Simple Plan's request. Yeah, I'll be honest. I have never watched that MLB morning show. Is that like on every morning? I think so. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't watch it that, that often either. Okay, well that does it for our opening banter. Uh, you can watch the rest of that video on the podcast episode page. Thanks uh, for listening through that. Uh, Baseball on TV, that's normally a segment we do now. Uh, Paul requested, because it was his week, requested that we watch an episode of The X-Files. Season 6, episode 19. Uh, But it'll have to wait until next week. Well, Paul did not mention that he wouldn't be able to watch it until he got at my house today, so I uh, had to spend 50 minutes of a Sunday morning watching the X Files, mm-hmm. uh, not my favorite TV show. So I'm pretty upset. Uh, yeah, I apologize. Um, no real excuse there. I thought it was going to be a 20 minute episode. Turned out to be a 45 minute episode. So the X Files. How would the X Files be anything other than an hour long? I think it's reasonable to think that it could have been a half no, hour. It's like a Law and Order type show. Yeah, I've never seen the X Files. So, but this was ranked by. Uh, a blogger out there as the best baseball-themed TV episode of all time. But next week. Sure, I'll, I'll be ready to talk about it. Um, okay, so that does it for uh, this week's abbreviated baseball and TV segment. Next up, we have an A-Rod and each row themed out out-of-the-box. Okay, so out-of-the-box this week, uh, due to a recording malfunction earlier, uh, we're recording this segment differently than the rest of the episode, so uh, bear with us. Paul is calling in uh, to the studios. Uh, so this week, uh, switching it up, instead of an article, uh, Paul and I each have come up with five things you should remember about uh, two baseball legends, Alex Rodriguez and Ichiro Suzuki. Paul, let's alternate. Uh, you take Ichiro first. What's one thing we should remember about Ichiro's career?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing that we should remember about each row, and I think we will remember, is that he was so likable. Um, it's hard to imagine any player with a, a higher approval rating than him. I think he's kind of on par with an Ernie Banks type player or a Tony Gwynn. But, uh, just generally speaking, everyone has positive things to say about him. You know, he might not be everyone's favorite player. But if you're a baseball fan, you just don't have anything to criticize uh, him for. And it's kind of remarkable because there was always media around him. So, you know, at the peak of his career, he had somewhere close to 150 media from Japan following him. Even now, with the Marlins as a fourth outfielder, he has around a dozen uh, Japanese media um, writers following him. And so anything that he would have done would have gotten... Um, written about or talked about, and yet he's, he's managed to stay mostly out of the limelight for bad reasons. So just a remarkably likable player. Uh,
0: before I get into my A-Rod, uh, top five things I wanted to briefly mention. You know, A-Rod has a lot of, um, complexity, uh, especially off the field. Um, and I kind of, uh, left that to the side, um, with my five things. And so uh, I'll link in the podcast episode page to a podcast from Effectively Wild and a video essay from Ken Rosenthal that uh, really did a good job of tackling A-Rod both on and off the field um, and just all that went into that. So check those out. But my five things are mainly about A-Rod's baseball career. Uh, So first, the thing that we should remember about A-Rod is that he was uh, a brilliant baseball player at such a young age. Uh, so he was drafted first overall in the 1993 draft at just 17 years old. Uh, he went to high school in Florida. Um, it's the alma mater of another great baseball player, Doug Kavich. Say that half-jokingly. Paul, I'll give you $100 if you can spell that right.
1: Uh, I'll go M-E.
0: <laughs> nope. Wrong. That's the second time you've missed it today. Uh, M-I-E-N-T-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z. Minkiewicz. Uh, so a Rad was drafted first overall, 1993 draft, at 17, and then he made his major league debut a year later on July 8, 1994, at just 18 years old. Uh, so just a brilliant uh, baseball player, brilliant talent, and a natural Uh, because he was playing in the majors at 18.
1: All right. Uh, Well, the second thing to remember about each row uh, is that he was an artist with the bat. I think we'll all remember the stance, but even more than that, uh, he was just incredible at placing singles. He has the all-time single season hit record. He had 262 in 2004,
3: and you know he's gone on record
1: as saying that he probably could have hit somewhere close to 40 homers and had 220 and Barry Bonds has kind of backed that up since he's become the Marlins hitting coach but but rather than do that he just chose to be a, a 350 singles and doubles and an occasional triples hitter and um you know you can debate whether that was the smart thing to do or not uh in terms of adding value to the team but that's what he chose and he was really good at it um like I said he has the single season all-time hit record and chances are if he would have played in America for his whole career he would have the uh the career and, uh, record as well so just uh he's an artist with the bat and really really good at what he chose to do
0: my second thing about arod is that's uh, similar to mike trout uh he struggled early in his career so in nineteen ninety four and nineteen ninety five uh he hit just two twenty four in one hundred and ninety six at bats also made 14 errors at shortstop in 65 games. Uh, he did make an appearance in the 1995 playoffs, uh, which I found interesting when I was researching. Um, but he wasn't, uh, by any means, an integral part to that team. But that was his first playoff experience.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, a yeah, third thing about HRL, um that we should remember is that he was an incredible all-around player. Uh, he's a good hitter. We've already talked about that, but he's also a great outfielder and a very good base runner. Uh, I think we all remember the, the throw from right field to nail Terrence Long. I think it was, uh, within the first week of his debut, um, back in 2001, but, um, he was, uh, the third best outfielder in baseball according to baseball references, um, defensive stat. That's behind Andrew Jones and Derek Ernstad. And he was also, um, he had the third most stolen bases uh in the two thousands while still you know swiping at a eighty one percent success rate. So he stole a lot of bases and didn't get caught very often, which is pretty impressive. So he's just a he's a complete player and um that's pretty remarkable.
0: I didn't realize that throw was within a week of his debut.
1: Yeah, I think it was his sixth game.
0: Wow. My uh, my third thing we should remember about A-Rod is my personal uh, favorite season from Rodriguez, 1996. So after struggling his first two years, 94, 95, 96 is really his breakout season. At just 20 years old as a shortstop, he hit uh, a slash line of 358, 414, and 631. Uh, It's hard to really fathom a 631 slugging percentage from a 20-year-old Uh, shortstop, but that is exactly what A-Rod produced. Uh, 36 home runs, 54 doubles, uh, strangely just one triple. You would think some of those uh, doubles would stretch into triples, but uh, Mm -hmm. that did not happen. Um, He was second in MVP voting uh, to Juan Gonzalez, who was his future teammate in Texas. Um, Juan Gonzalez has kind of become famous for this MVP and another MVP that he won because um, looking back with more analytics, he was definitely not deserving of the award. Uh, just a lot of home runs and RBIs. Uh, a Rod that year had a 9.4 war, according to baseball reference, and Juan Gonzalez just had a th- uh, 3.8, uh, so almost triple um, for A Rod. And by the way, uh, Griffey. King Griffey was uh, 26 for the Mariners and their center fielder. And he was fourth in MVP voting, had 49 home runs and a 9.7 war. Uh, so the Mariners had a 26 year old center fielder, 20 year old shortstop. that both put up nine war seasons and they still found a way to miss the playoffs. They were just 85 and 76 due to a terrible pitching staff. Huh?
1: Yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing that the A-Rod's, you know, age 20 season, that's the type of season that makes his use of steroids all the more frustrating because, uh, I mean, I doubt he was using heavily at that time. I, I guess don't know. that's the pretty big it's hard assumption. To, it's really hard to tell with him. But it, it just seems like he was like, you know, like Bonds, uh, destined to be a star even without the help of, um, cheating, so. Sure. Anyways, uh, fourth thing about Ichiro that we should remember, he was really durable. Um, I was actually kind of surprised by this, um, at how durable he was for a pretty small guy. You know, he's 5'9", uh, can't weigh more than 170, 180 pounds. But from 2001 to 2012, he averaged 159 games per season. And twice he played all 162 games. So um, he did. Uh, was very durable, and he he played nearly every game um, during his, his peak years. Um, so that's definitely that's something we should remember about him.
0: Definitely. Uh, my fourth thing about A-Rod is the 10-year, $252 million contract he signed with the Texas Rangers after the 2000 season. He was just 25 years old when he signed this contract, and I think this contract really shaped people's uh, perception of him um, for the next 16 years. or It started to shape their perceptions of him. His salary in 2001 for the Rangers made up uh, 25% of the entire payroll for the team. And many people in baseball were not happy with the contract. They thought it was extravagant. Um, Here is a a section from an article I found in the LA Times um, talking about the signing. Uh, talking about the winter meetings. The host Rangers made many moves at the meetings and completed the biggest deal with arguably baseball's best player, Loring Rodriguez from the Seattle Mariners, their American League West division rival, with a package worth more than the individual estimated values of 18 major league franchises. The deal surpassed the previous U.S. athlete record for total value and average annual salary. News of Rodriguez's contract was not well received by baseball officials concerned about payroll disparity and dizzying spending. The Rangers were criticized for being the first sports team to break the $200 million barrier, but they got the player they coveted. Uh, so both people you know, inside the game, in front offices, and uh, fans outside the game did not like the contract and were um, a bit uh, just astounded by the amount of money involved. Uh, it didn't help that in his three seasons with the Rangers, A-Rod... Won just 73, 72, and 71 games. Of course, never made the playoffs. Um, and the Rangers were good before he got there and after he left. Years later, he would say that he made a mistake signing with the Rangers and he should have signed with the Mets, who he grew up um, rooting for because he was born in New York City. Uh, it was also during this time that he had later admitted to taking steroids. Um, but who knows if he was taking them before that.
1: Yeah, and it seems like, you know, with with Bryce Harper um about ready to make a ton of money in a couple off seasons, um, it seems like we've kind of progressed with with big time deals. Like I don't think Bryce Harper would his reputation wouldn't be as tarnished uh as A Rod's was. Um but I guess we'll we'll see.
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
1: All right. Um last thing we should remember about Ichiro, uh and I don't know if this is necessarily something we should remember, but um, I just think it's kind of inevitable. So he came over when he was uh, 27, and I think biggest one of the biggest things uh, that will kind of carry on with him is the "what if" question. Um, you know, what if he had come over earlier? You know, say five years earlier when he was 22, um, you'd you would have gotten three or four more peak eternal seasons, and he he probably would have um, had a chance at breaking Pete Rose's record uh, and that really would have established his reputation as one of the greatest players of all time. And then what if he would have, um, you know, chosen to hit for more power? You know, if he could have hit 30 to 40 homers, um, I doubt he would have been a 220 hitter. Um, I think he would have been more like a 300 hitter and uh, been just a really, really good um, all around hitter as opposed to just kind of a, a slap hitter. So, uh, obviously a, an amazing career, but you can't help but ask the, the what-if question.
0: Definitely. And definitely a first bout Hall of Famer, right?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, um, I'll um close here with a, a quote from Jeff Passon that I thought really captured each row. He said, uh, let's marvel at the singular way he plays baseball. The game is so full of sameness that each row is version of 1.0 with two point a physical impossibility. Um I yeah, I think that encapsulates who he is in baseball there is so muchness and um you do experience uh just uh a, a joy in watching Ichiro because he's different and because he's so good at playing baseball the way he chose to play it. Mhm. Yep. Uh
0: I have a bunch of A RAD nuggets bunched into my last a uh, thing that we should remember. Uh, so first uh, is that Aaron Boone uh, played a part in A-Rod coming over to the Yankees after those three seasons in Texas. Uh, he was, of course, uh, a hero with the Yankees because of his home run to beat the Red Sox in the 2003 ALCS. Uh, but before the 2004 season, Boone uh, hurt his knee playing pickup basketball. Uh, so this opened up a spot for A-Rod at third base. The Yankees traded Alfonso Soriano and a player to be named later, who turned out to be a uh, a reliever who made the majors but wasn't all that good. Um, so Soriano, uh, and this player to be named later, went to the Rangers. Uh, the Rangers also agreed to pick up one-third of the remaining $179 million left in the contract. Uh, turned out to be a great uh, move by the Yankees. A-Rod was a great player uh, for the for the Yankees. Um, and the Rangers just got back a couple years of Soriano. Uh, so definitely a lot more value for the, the Yankees. Uh, before the 2008 season, A-Rod signed another 10-year contract. He opted out of the last couple years of his first one to sign this one with the Yankees. Uh, this one was for $275 million, um, and he signed it at the age of 32. So it was the contract that would uh, take him to where he is today. Uh, and this was not a good contract for the Yankees. Uh, Arod was good for a few of those years, but um, not worth uh, you know twenty-seven million dollars a year uh, for what he gave. Uh, from two thousand four to two thousand eight, Arod went zero for twenty-nine with runners on base in the postseason. Uh, this fed the narrative that Arod uh, was not clutch, uh, which probably was a bit overstated. Because in the 2009 playoffs, A-Rod was dominant and helped, uh, help win the Yankees another World Series. In 68 plate appearances, A-Rod had 19 hits and 12 walks, uh, which equals a 455 on base percentage. Also had 6 home runs and 5 doubles, which is an 807 slugging percentage, and drove in 18 runs. Uh, so a very clutch postseason in 2009. And the last thing that we should remember about Arad is that he was banned for an entire season for taking steroids uh, or for being, uh, uh, you know, caught taking steroids with no actual physical test uh, that he failed. And uh, this was unheard of. Um, A-Rod tried to fight it, but the fans were not on his side. And I think that was a big reason why C-League uh, was able to suspend Arad. Um, because fans just weren't, uh, weren't willing to fight for A-Rod and the public was not in his favor. So he was banned for all 162 games of the 2014 season. Um, so yeah, that's definitely a a thing we should remember.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of fitting or not fitting, but it's funny that, uh, each row and A-Rod, like they couldn't be, uh, more dissimilar in terms of their, uh, Likeability and just like fans perspective about them
0: yeah I mean you're still left with kind of the same what if question though uh, with A-Rod if he had done uh, certain things differently uh, just carried himself differently how would fans view him uh, today alright well that does it for our out of the box segment hope you enjoyed that Paul Thanks for uh, thanks for calling in the rest of the podcast will be a normal studio production
4: when you can put some of those categories, you know, you got your OBPS and all that and the VORPs. When they put in TWTW TW and then interface those numbers with TWTW TW, under that category, then you might have something cooking. What well, 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 TW is? Yeah, what is that? That's the will to win.
0: All right, uh, continuing on with my Ichiro analysis for our, this week's TWTW. TW. Um, I wanted to look at where Itra ranked uh, among the all times in terms of the things he did well. So, uh, the three things I looked at were what's his legacy amongst uh, leadoff hitters, what's his legacy amongst base runners, and what's his legacy amongst uh, defensive outfielders or outfield defense. So, first, taking a look at leadoff hitters, and I think um, the, the thing to look at is. You know, or the thing to remember here is that the notion of a leadoff hitter has changed uh, pretty significantly over the past twenty-five years. So, um, you know, take this for what it's worth, I guess. But amongst players who have led off games, he has the third most hits of all time: two thousand five hundred twenty-five hits when he's been in the leadoff spot, and that's behind Ricky Henderson and Pete Rose. So, pretty good company there. And he's fifth all time uh, amongst uh leadoff hitters and getting on base. Three thousand and eighty six uh times on base as a leadoff hitter. Um so those are fairly high rankings. Um his on base percentage was never maybe as good as you would want it to be because he didn't walk a lot. You know, he didn't strike out a ton either. Um but he he just uh didn't walk a ton. So his on base percentage was good. I think he was a career three close to three or four seventy or three seventy on base. Um but in terms of getting on base and getting hits, he was one of the best uh, leadoff hitters of all time. Um, and then you talk about his legacy as a base runner. He's 21st all time with 507 steals, and this is a, you know impacted quite a bit by him coming over to America at age 27. You know, aged you know 22 to 27, you can assume that he would have added a number of steals to that 507 number, but he's still 21st all time, fairly impressive. And of those with more than 500 stolen bases, he is fourth all time in stolen base percentage success rate. So he's 81.4%. And that's better than guys like Ricky Henderson and Lou Brock. So fourth all time in stolen base percentage amongst those with more than 500 stolen bases. And he ranks 16th all time in base running runs above average. Um, And then his legacy as an uh, outfielder in terms of defense, ninety-nine outfield assists in his career. Hmm. And again, gotta get that hundred. Yeah, I know. Again, that's you know we can assume that he would have had quite a few more if he had come over earlier. Um, But that ranks nineteenth among right fielders all time. And then uh, he's sixth among right right fielders in terms of um, defensive runs above average. So he's behind. Clemente, uh, Jess Barfield, who I'd never heard of, Brian Jordan, Al Kaline, and Jason Hayward, which is interesting. Well, um, so I think fair to say he was a a top ten, maybe a top five leadoff hitter, a top fifteen base runner of all time, and then a top twenty uh, defensive outfielder. Um, so, like I said, none of those in particular, you know, he's not the best of any of those. But when you combine all of them into it's one player who was extremely likable, it uh, makes for an all-time great, and in my opinion, a sure, surefire um, first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think his induction will be pretty cool because mm-hmm. uh, it represents baseball's expansion, uh, kind of world expansion. Yeah, first Japanese position player, really. Is there a pitcher?
1: Um,
0: first, I feel like first uh, non- like, yeah, U- U.S. I, Hideo Nomo, or Latin America, he's not a Hall of Famer. Oh, sorry. No, I meant like just first Japanese position player to come over. Really to America? Huh. There's no one else. Uh, not that I think. Oh, wow, th- that's pretty cool. Although I'm, my tendency is to not believe you anymore because you've yeah been so wrong in this. First notable US. Japanese position <laughs> player. Okay. Okay, that was CWTW. Next up, Sounds of the Game. For this week's Sound of the Game, we're going to the 1996 World Series. Uh, this weekend, the Yankees are recognizing that 96 World Series team. It's the 20-year anniversary of that championship. Um, it's kind of a f- funny way that that lined up with a retiring on Friday night, playing his last game on Friday night, and then the Yankees honoring uh, Jeter and Rivera and Posada and all those guys on Saturday and Sunday. This was uh, Joe Torre's first year as manager. It was also Derek Jeter's first year in the Bigs, his rookie season, and it was the first World Series appearance for the Yankees in 18 years, going back to 1978. Um, the Braves won the first two games of the series in New York, and then the Yankees won the next three in Atlanta. Uh, one of those games was Jim Larett's. His big uh, game-tying home run in Game 4, I believe. Um, Yeah, this is Game 6. It's the game that the Yankees close it out. And so I will play the audio now. Uh, It's the Fox TV broadcast. So it's Joe Buck, Tim McCarver, and Bob Brenly. So uh, here's
4: that clip. It took Joe Torre 4,272 games as both player or manager to get to the World Series. Rafael Belliard will come in and pinch run for Pendleton. That's the tying run at first. Joe Torre and the Yankees are now one out away from the Yankees 23rd World Championship. It's Wetland. Grissom to the right side and through base hit into score is Klesko Belliard will stop at second and now one more hit could pull the Braves back even three singles in the inning and it's a one run
5: game first ball hitting fastball away poked into right field
4: Two more hits tonight for Grissom, 12 in this World Series. Now it's first and second, two out for
5: Lemke. Strike one. There are a lot of guys the Yankees would rather see up
4: there than Mark Lemke. A career 300 hitter in World Series play. from wetland lemke tonight is grounded out and fly to center three times there's the tying run Belliard. there's the go ahead run grissom very good speed on for the braves If Lemke can reach, Chipper Jones waits on deck. Now Girardi wants to talk to Wetland. The
5: reason for that is you want to be sure in this situation. If a catcher wants to go away and a pitcher wants to go inside and you end up throwing that pitch, it'll be right down the middle of the plate. So Girardi making sure... Not only a pitch selection,
4: but pitch location. The starter and potential winner for tonight's game, Jimmy Key. Watch it. One run home, two on, two out, two and one on Lemke. Two and two, and the Yankees are one strike away. second not only important that the runners will go but the trail
5: runner is the guy you're concerned about he is the fastest guy on the Yankees team and a short double he can score the go ahead run
4: runners going lemke pops it foul near the dugout and just out of the reach of charlie hayes
5: could have been called on that play there was a guy in a road uniform and I don't know who it was I think Charlie Hayes actually collided with an Atlanta player in uniform right there you're supposed to clear the top step Hayes had a shot at it and now it is cleared but something could have been called as Hayes collides with an Atlanta player in
4: uniform Inches away, and the count stays 3-2. Another chance to the left side. Hayes waits. The Yankees are champions of baseball.
0: All right, so that was the ending to the 1996 World Series. Uh, I just tweeted out the, um, the ending to that game on Twitter, so you can go watch it uh, while you're listening to it. Uh crazy play. Charlie Hayes, who's playing third base, goes over to the Braves deck out to try to catch a, a pop-up. Uh, a Braves player gets in his way, uh, blocks him, and then Hayes can't catch it as he tumbles into the dugout, and then the next pitch, uh, same sort of pop-up but just a few feet to the left of where the last one was. If he's in the dugout, though, that's not interference, right? Uh, you got to go watch the clip. It's um, It was like in play. Oh, gotcha. The Braves guy was like half in the dugout, half outside the dugout. Okay, well, that's, um, that was this week's sound of the game. I will post the link to the box score, which was fascinating, uh, to see all the players involved. But you can go check that out on our podcast episode page. Next up, we have our interview with Nick Stellini. This week's guest is baseball writer Nick Stellini. Nick writes at Baseball Prospectus and SB Nation. You can follow him on Twitter at Stellini Tweets. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Good, how are you? Doing great. Uh, thanks for jumping on the podcast. Uh, you're pretty locked in to the Yankees-A-Rod uh, situation, so I thought of you. As a, uh, a good person to get your inputs, um, I guess first of all, what was your reaction when you heard the news break last Sunday?
3: Um, well, I wasn't particularly surprised. The writing had been on the wall for a while that A. Rod's days were numbered with the team. I, knew, I wasn't sure if they were going to do it like mid-season because um, it was all very sudden. Because you know they said on Sunday, you know his last game was Friday. and I, I, That's a pretty quick turnaround, and I didn't expect it to be that quick. Um, if anything, I thought they would cut him at the end of the season. But, yeah, I mean, he just hadn't been hitting. Um, He wasn't playing very much at all. Um, When he was playing, he didn't look good at the plate. Um, And the team's clearly trying to go younger. They made all those trades at the deadline. They get lots of prospects, and they're starting to call some of the kids up. Like, they have Gary Sanchez up, and he's actually been catching a little bit, too. And Brian McCann's been shifting more towards DH. So, yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, cutting him makes sense. I just didn't expect it to be that quick and that sudden. Um, and apparently, it, it, like, based on what Brian Cashman and Joe Girardi were saying at the press conference, like, this is all Hal Steinbrenner's doing. Like, they didn't even know about it. Like I, like, I don't know if, I'm pretty sure that Cashman didn't know about it. And then Girardi flat out said he didn't know about it until I told him, like, right then.
1: Yikes.
3: Um, yeah, so it's, it's really bad process. Um, and I'm not wobbling out Hal Steinbrenner jumping in and meddling like that with a 25 man roster. Um, especially without talking to his field manager or his GM. That's, that's a whole other can of beans. Well, yeah, um,
0: my next question was, what's up with Girardi not playing in this week? But it makes sense if if it's kind of not his decision to make.
3: Um, yes and no. Um, it, I mean, the thing about the Yankees is, like, if, even after they made all these trades, and, like, the fan base is generally happy with those trades. Like, they're pretty excited about the, the prospects that came back in those deals because um, the team was clearly not going anywhere this year. Um, they've been at or below 500 or a couple games over for the entire year. They just don't have the firepower to keep up with the rest of the division, let alone compete in the playoffs. So, I mean, this, this was really the right course of action in terms of selling off stuff. So the season's basically over. So why not let A-Rod play a little bit, make the fans happy, let them watch him one last time. You know, he's going to play on Friday. Obviously he's playing tomorrow on Thursday, um, apparently, but I don't, I mean, I would have just let him play because the season's basically over. There's nothing really to play for. I mean, because of the Yankees that keep saying oh, we're going to try and win, you know, the, George Roddy's two lines have been stranger things in sports have happened and <laughs> it's about winning games. Those are his two lines. My question is, how does putting air out of the lineup and, you know, because Mark DeShera, who's under the Mendoza line, is batting third or fourth. Aaron Hicks, who just I think he's ops is in like the 500s on um, this playing. Like, obviously he provides some defensive value, but his bat is just so, so bad. So how, how does let A-Rod, letting A-Rod take one last lap really affect that at all? Um, because the season's clearly over. It's time to, you know, let the veterans ride off into the sunset and play the kids. Yeah, um, I mean,
0: especially when Fenway Park is chanting, you know, we want A-Rod.
3: I think that we want A-Rod chant half. That is, they want blood. They want to see him strike out and fill around one last time. Yeah. Um, but my thing is, you know, there was no way he was going to hit his four home runs in these four games that he could have played in this week that you could have at least let him try a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, because he's A-Rod, there's a chance that he just hits four home runs on Friday, um, which would be <laughs> insane. Yep. But, but, um, yeah, I mean, so I'm not crazy about that. So it, it's, a, it's all a big PR mess and mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't necessarily blame Girardi because, like, this was kind of keep on his plate all of a sudden. Which is very unfair, and it doesn't and like like I said, there's pretty much entirely how Steinbrenner is doing, and yeah, like they, they can't really like I'm not gonna hold that against writing because it seems there was no p r plan here um so it, it, it's bad,
0: yeah, I enjoyed your article on uh on b p summarizing uh arad's time in New York, uh the point you made about arad not being Hated or loved struck me. Um, and when you look at PED users, you talked about how he wasn't hated like Bonds or Clemens, but he isn't loved like Bartolo or David Ortiz. Um, I guess just reflecting on that, why do you think that is? Why do you think he's somewhere in the middle?
3: Um, well, like to be clear, obviously he was pretty hated when that information first came to light. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, last year he was just universally loved, at least in New York. Um, because he came back in this squeaky clean Boy Scout visage, but because he's a Rod, you know everybody outside of New York just hated him and booed him a lot, which is going to happen. Um, I mean, part of that is because it's the natural, you know, the highest paid player on baseball, the best player on the best team in baseball on the Yankees. That's going to get you booed no matter who you are, especially in a lot of sports, especially baseball. If you're making a lot of money, people tend to not like you because there's a whole psychological complex thing going on there. But look at how Joe Maurer is treated in Minnesota by, like, the Minnesota media. Like, they can't stop hating on Joe Maurer mm-hmm. because he makes a lot of money, even though he's kind of good at baseball again. Um, so, there's that. There's the fact that he's always never really, like, particularly fit in. I mean, he's... Even before the, the steroids and the money and Madonna and all that stuff, um, there was just... He was never really fitting in. He was... I mean, he... There's a really good story from ESPN magazine that that came out um, right when he's coming back from his big suspension last year. The I think it's called "The Education of Alex Rodriguez," and it's this really long profile of him and what he did in his year off, and it really does a excellent job. One of the best things I've ever read of going inside a Rod's head and dissecting what's going on there and why he who he is why he is who he is. And his regrets in life, like about not going to college and not getting an education, it, it's fascinating. It really mm-hmm. helps you understand who A Rod is. And yeah, like, like he try, he like the big thing about A Rod is he wants to make people happy. He wants to please people, and he wants to do the absolute best that he can. And that's not like that's like not a good reason to cheat. Obviously, there's no good reasons to really cheat at sports. Like it's against the rules. Like, and, and I'm not saying like you know cheating is this ungodly thing because. You know, Gaylord Perry's in the Hall of Fame and he he was, talks openly about the spitballs he threw. Mm -hmm. Hank Aaron and Willie Mays and a bunch of other people from that era also greenies, which are amphetamines. I mean, everybody was on amphetamines at that time. It it was all against the rules and it was illegal, but they were in the Hall of Fame and those are performance enhancing drugs. Um, like, you know, Babe Ruth corked his bat, like Pete Rose corked his bat. There's a lot of that going on. Um, and like I said in the article, like, you know, Bartolo Colon took steroids, was suspended for steroids, you know, it just came out that he's got a whole second family and that he's kind of deadbeat dad too but people love bartolo Colon. Yeah. people love david ortiz people cannot get enough of david ortiz and we know for a fact that david ortiz took steroids and it, it, it's it's a mess so why a rod and the reason that why A-Rod cause a rod is because a because he was making the money b he was on the yankees and c the league made him the scapegoat for steroids that they, they they came down on him like I don't mind that he was suspended for what happened with Biogenesis. I mind the fact that the league suspension that they handed out to him was completely outside of the regulations set down by the league and the union for steroid suspensions. Like it was, it was completely outside of the parameters of the rules that were set in stone. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, they just came down on him because they could and because he's A-rod and they wanted to make an example of him. That's not how you, that's not how you discipline Employees or or anything—that's just not how it works. That's unfair. So I kind of get A Rod's whole prima donna backlash thing when he went on Francesco's show and he was saying I didn't do anything wrong. Like he went straight from his deposition to Mike Francesco's show and I was going crazy on the radio. And he was going to sue the league. He going to sue the union. Like I, I I get why that happened. I mean, it's part of that is his ego and his massive insecurity, but also he was getting screwed.
0: Uh, 10 years from now, what is A-Rod's legacy with Yankee fans?
3: That, that, that's a complicated question, It's probably always going to be a bit mixed because there's all the crap, and there's the fact that he won two MVPs with the team, the fact that he nearly single-handedly won the 2009 playoffs for them. You know, he had incredible, incredible years with the Yankees. Um, but a lot of his drama, almost all of it, came while he was with the Yankees, and there are a lot of Yankee fans who still don't really like him a whole lot. There's, I mean, there's resentment from the suspension. Um, he kind of broke down with injuries from like 2010, 20, 20, 2009, 2010 on. He was, he was hurt a lot, not playing very much. And when he did play, he wasn't that great. But there was the 2015 season where he came back and for a good portion of the season, he was incredible. He hit 33 home runs and he, he redeemed himself in a big way. And I think the more t- that time goes on with A. Rod out of the game, the more stories you'll hear about how good he was with kids coming up from the minor leagues, how good a good of a teammate he was. Because a lot of people say he's a really good teammate. He, I mean, A. Rod when for ever since I think ever since he got to the team, he when kids have come up in minor leagues, he took them out and bought them suits because you have to have suits for the for the charter flights um, when you're going between cities. He always talks to people in spring training. I mean. And the whole reason his new job is going to be going down to minor leagues and working with prospects is because he has done that for so long already, whether it's on rehab assignments or in spring training or with kids coming up in major leagues. He's worked very well with people like that. I mean, he helped De'Ager become the great player that he is right now. He mm-hmm. helped Robbie Cano develop his swing and become Robinson Cano. I mean, the talent was always there, but Arod helped refine it, which is why he's going to do this job. And I think it's a job that it suits A-Rod very well. I honestly think A Rod could be a big league manager at some point if anybody wants to give him the job. I doubt it will happen because he's A Rod, but I think he could do the job. He has, he has such a brilliant baseball mind.
0: Yeah, he could uh, could be a good broadcaster too. He did.
3: Yeah, I mean he was great on TV in the yep. playoffs.
0: Yeah, so I could see that in his future too. Sounds like from the article uh, and what you're saying now, you think A Rod's definitely done after Friday.
3: Oh, um, yeah. I mean, part of it is that if he was going to get a job, I mean, it would be very hard for him to function in the National League just by virtue of the fact that he's dead weight in the field and not a very good hitter. Mm -hmm. So it would have to be either a very bad minor league team or the Marlins because it's the whole Miami thing or a bad AL team could take a flyer on him to serve the DH. But it would have to be a good offer that he would be interested in. And I I, I don't know how long it would last, to be honest, because I don't think there's anything left in his bat. Um So I would say like a 40% chance he plays again. Um It also depends on how much he likes his new job, because I really do think he could thrive in this new job. And yeah, the urge to play is probably going to be there for a while, because he said like on the press conference on Sunday that he still thinks he can play. I just don't know if that's the case or not in reality. And I don't know who would take a flyer on him.
0: As you wrote about in the, the article, uh, Saturday is kind of the start of this new era for the Yankees. Uh, what do you think will define the next season for, uh, for the Yankees. Uh, you got all these young players to develop. Uh, you got the huge free agent class of 2018. Uh, Rich Hill is a free agent this offseason. Co. A mega Rich Hill deal. What, what will define the next season of, uh, of Yankees baseball?
3: I think it's going to be another reloading season. Um, I don't think they're going to, I mean, I don't know if they're going to be a 500 team, but they might be, be fringy. I don't know. Um, it really depends on a couple things. One is how much they do in free agency this winter. Um, because I can't imagine they're going to go another winter without signing a free agent. Like, just, I don't think that Hal Steinbrenner would mentally be able to function if that <laughs>
5: happened.
3: I honestly don't know how they pulled it off in the past winter. Um, but with all the relievers out there, like, I, I, I wouldn't be crazy about it, but I could see them bringing Chapman back. I wouldn't like it for obvious reasons. Um, I could see them going after Kenley Jansen or Mark Melanson. Um, because both those guys are free agents in the winter. So I could see that happening. In terms of position players, I don't think they make a big splash for position players. There's just, just nothing out there right now. Like, it's bad. But it, it'll be about the kids. I mean, I mean, I think Gary Sanchez is on the opening day roster in, in 2017. If Aaron Judge is the guy who gets A-Rod's roster spot on Saturday, depending on how he does when he comes up, because I think it might be rocky for him when he first comes up because of the strikeout concerns. But, I mean, Clint Frazier will be up at some point next year. You know, James Caprelian was supposed to be even up in September this year. He's been hurt all year. Um, so we'll see what happens with his elbow. Um, if Caprallian's healthy, he might be up fairly quickly. So there's a lot of, of depth that they have that could come up. And I mean, the, the, the next generation of Yankees is not very far off at all. They did a wonderful job of restocking um, at the deadline. And I think that there's a chance that they do more over the winter, um, even if just minor trades like Brett Gardner or something. Like I, I would, would not be shocked if Brett Gardner is – on another team next year. I would not be shocked if yeah. Brian McCann's on another team next year. Um, and they could get some stuff from them. So, I think that they might sign a free agent just to, you know, sell merchandise and put butts in seats. Um, but I don't know if they're going to make a serious run of contention. Mainly because the free agent class that's coming up is just so bad. It's mm-hmm. really bad. Yep. Um, and they don't have a lot of big trade chips to, to cash in. And, and, in terms of Getting prospects and they had the prospects to go get somebody if they wanted to. Like, they could go get Chris sale if they wanted to, they really could. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if that's feasible or if it fits the window because getting Chris sale would nuke the farm system a bit. And then all of a sudden, you're just okay now we've got Chris sale for a couple of years and now what?
0: Yeah, um, I think they need depth. That's like people talk about, oh, we could go get this ace now, but it's like, oh no, you need three or four solid role player, you know, solid position players more than you need the one dominant ace, uh, yeah, or something like that.
3: Yeah, and I mean they've got Tanaka for another year, and I mean honestly, they might cash in Tanaka. I mean if they would, because just because how bad the pitching market is on this free because like Rich Hill has his blister issues and he hasn't come back from that yet, and then you know Strasburg's off the market because he got extended, and then what else is there? There's Edison Volquez who is turned into a pumpkin. There's a lot of not good stuff on the free agent pitching market. That's which is why, you know, Chris Sale and Jose Quintana are going to be so much demand over the winter. And if they so choose to cash in Tanaka, they could really do something there.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I, don't, I don't think they would do that because I don't think the Yankees would do a hard tank. I don't think they need to do a hard tank. But also, again, they need merchandise with put butts and seats.
0: Great. Well, thanks so much, Nick. Uh, any any final A-Rod thoughts or predictions? Um, Are you predicting four home runs?
3: I'm Not seriously, no. <laughs> um, I mean, if he does two on Thursday and two on Friday, that would be incredible. But I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I do think he'll be in the Hall of Fame at some point. Um, a lot of the old crusty white voters are going to start dying off at some point soon. Mm-hmm. Not that I want them to die or anything. <laughs> Is that a threat? No, <laughs> no. It's, it's a fact that they will be phased out at some point soon. Um, I think the younger generation of writers that's going to be getting BBWA membership or already has it are much more open to the idea of steroids guys in the Hall of Fame. and I, I it, might, it might require the Veterans Committee, but I think he'll get it at some point.
0: Great. Well, uh, people go check out his work. We'll link to it in the podcast episode page. But uh, thanks so much, Nick. Thank you for having me. Moving on to the bottom of the ninth. Thanks to Nick for taking time to do that interview with us. Uh, enjoyed his perspective on A Rod. Uh, but bottom of the ninth. First up, Paul. Say my name. My name,
2: my name.
0: All right. So going with a uh, a breakfast themed. Uh, say my name, Kyle Bearclaw. He pitches for the Marlins. Pitched, made his big de- debut last year. Uh, fairly good reliever, uh, two ninety five ERA and seventy six innings pitch for his career. Just two home runs given up in those seventy six innings. But it got me thinking. So obviously, a bear claw is a type of pastry. Mm-hmm. Have there been other notable breakfast food named? And I came up with a few. You have George Creamer. Johnny Oates, Ralph Glaze, and Eddie Bacon, um, to go along with Kyle Bearclaw, who's my favorite, but, um, yeah, I didn't eat lunch today, so I'm getting hungry talking about these. Didn't eat lunch? Yeah. Why not? Uh, I wasn't particularly hungry and, uh, I decided to have some trail mix, so I snacked. Wow. What'd you have for lunch? Uh, it's like four o'clock, 4.30 right now, to give listeners context. I mm-hmm. uh, had a salad. Nice. That's good. Okay. uh, Moving on (laughs) to the Yahoo answer of the week. Uh, Just realizing now I forgot to do that. Hmm. It's two weeks in a row. I'm sorry. Letting everyone down. Uh, But no Yahoo answer this week. Uh, Next Next, week. Next week better be great. Yeah, maybe I'll do three. Okay. Lastly, uh, time for pick your team. Paul, who are your team or teams this upcoming week? Uh, I'm going with the Rangers. I was surprised I had not yet picked them so far this year. They are the best team in the American League. Yeah, and a standings update. Last week, you made a lot of ground. I had the Braves and Angels. Uh, the Angels did an 0-4, 0-6. And, uh, and you had the Indians and Orioles who went. a combined 7-5. and 5. So standings update. I have a 71-51 and 51 record, and, Paul, you are 70-56. and 56. Wow. So five back in the lost column. But just one win back. So we'll have to decide how we're going to do at the end of the year if we played an uneven amount of games. Uh, My teams this week are the Rays and the Twins. Trying to get all the bad teams out before September. Uh, One last announcement. It's time for Foot in the Box Summer Flicks. So if you're listening to this during the day on Monday, make sure to tune in Monday night, August 15th. We'll be watching Angels on the Outfield... With uh, David from Chicago, be live tweeting that experience uh, as well. The movie Angels in the Outfield is available on YouTube, so we'll we'll tweet out the link. You can watch it with us and follow along. Uh, but we're excited for that. Poor timing of you changing your uh, Twitter bio picture. It had been Danny Glover for the longest time. I know. I changed it up to uh, to Moneyball. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about that. Um, okay. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Uh, You can send us emails at at afootinthebox.gmail.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at afootinthebox, or go to our website, afootinthebox.com. Paul, do you have anything else? Nope, just looking forward to spring training next year when Etro and a are playing on the same team. Maybe even earlier than that. Yes. All right, we are out. Uh, uh, Keep a foot in the box. There you go. We'll talk to you next week.
2: D.